Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on this Thursday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Full show today, all 90 minutes, going up until 7 o'clock. Red Sox baseball pregame show begins at 8.38. First pitch, 9.38. Sox go for a four-game sweep of the Reeling Angels. And joining us now is our ESPN MLB insider, Buster Olney. Buster, how are you? I'm tired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was at Fenway Park last night. And Sir Paul McCartney wore me out and about 40 other thousand people with his energy. Uh, and I didn't get back uh, to New York until about 2.30 last night. So I'm going a little bit on fumes here. You know, uh, take it easy on me today, yeah. Brady. <laughs> well, we're tired, too. These late-night uh, West Coast games coupled with late NBA Finals start times have us tired as well. Let me get a question quick on the NBA Finals. I don't know if you saw this this morning, but... Clay Thompson was complaining about the Boston crowd, and he said, you know, his line was real classy Boston, talking about all the F-bombs he heard from the crowd. And I'm not saying that he's not right, and I do believe that fan decorum is generally terrible, but how how stupid a comment is that by him right now, knowing they have to play in Boston multiple, multiple more times in this series? Yeah, that uh, for unless there's something specifically egregious, like if a fan made a racist comment, that obviously goes above and beyond, and you point it out, and you, you know, hopefully get a fan in that situation removed. But if it's just about, uh, you know, about cussing or about being, uh, you know, acting like an idiot fan, then I, you probably would be better served to just let it go. I heard Steve Kerr say the same thing. So they were reacting probably to the, you know, to the same voices, and I just. I've never understood that, right? Just use it. And then if you wind up winning the series, then you can say something about it when it's over. I remember when I covered the Yankees, David Wells had that situation where he had some fans yelling at him when, in Cleveland as he, got, as he was warming up to pitch a big game and somebody yelled something about his late mother. And after the game, after he stuck it to the Indians, he had fun talking about that. Hmm. Oh, yeah? If you were the fan who said this, guess what? You know, you push me. Hey, you know, real quick, random question, because we talked about this yesterday, and I actually watched a little bit of it this morning. This this live golf tour, this rival to the PGA that's been out there, I don't understand monopolies and antitrust and anything like that, but this has been pretty easy for this group to create this rival to the PGA Tour. Could anything like that happen in baseball, or is baseball protected? No, something like that did happen in baseball in 1914 and 1915. Hmm. I, I, you know... Uh, you know, back back in my early days as a reporter, they had the Federal League <laughs> huh. in 1914 and 1915, and some of the game's biggest stars actually jumped to the other league. Uh, you know, there have been cases where really good players have gone to other places to play, but let's face it, if you're going to build an alternative baseball league at a time when, you know, there's generally concerns about the popularity of baseball, uh, at a time when you'd have to ask cities to spend a whole lot of money on, a, uh, on something that probably would have a chance of failure, that, that would be hmm. a tough call. So I think baseball's in a good spot in terms of an alternative league stepping in and taking some of their firepower. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB Insider with us here on the Brady Farkas Show. Let's talk about the Red Sox. They're certainly playing better. They've won seven straight. The West Coast swing that you were worried about last week has proven to be a nice trip for them, sweeping the A's and on the verge of sweeping the Angels. I don't want to discount what the Red Sox have done here because certainly it's been impressive, but 
how bad are the Angels in it right now? I mean, they've lost 14 straight. They fired Joe Madden. I mean, again, it's not all because they're bad. The Red Sox are playing good, but, man, how bad are the Angels right now? Yeah, and look, if you're the Red Sox, all you can do is beat the teams in front of you. I've seen people uh, you know, have mentioned on social media, well, the Yankees are 40-16 and 16 because they're playing bad teams. Whatever. You know, you, you have your schedule, you play your schedule, you play the team that's in front of you. And so the Red Sox on this West Coast, West Coast trip, yeah, Oakland stinks. Uh, and you took advantage of that, and that's great. That's what you're supposed to do. And right now, the Angels are floundering. Uh, you know, not only, uh, you know, do they have performance issues with some of their pitchers, but they've been having some of the position players go down with injury. Uh, you know, Taylor Ward went down. Mike Trout is out of the lineup now, and it's to the degree that they fired Joe Madden. Uh, they're an absolute mess. The Red Sox, I think a lot of the time when we talk about hot and cold teams, it's about catching a team at the right time. The Red Sox have caught the Angels at the perfect time because they're, you know, I'm sure you saw last night, uh, somebody in the organization thought it might be a nice idea to send <laughs> all the hitters walk-up music to Nickelback. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that didn't work out so well. The, the Angels hitters didn't generate a single run. Two two uh, shutouts in three games for Red Sox pitching. We're going to see Otani tonight for the Angels on the mound. You know, we don't know who the next manager of the Angels is going to be. We know Phil Nevin is the interim manager right now. But do you think that there's going to be any pushback from a new regime on Otani doing both things, hitting and pitching? Was that a Madden-specifically driven thing, or is that an organizational-wide support? No, I, that that had wide support. Support. It's funny, uh, as you and I talk uh, – you know, we just finished up a conference call preparation for Sunday Night Baseball, and David Cohn, you know, was talking about that. And I think it was John Smoltz who first mentioned, yeah, you should have him focus on just being a pitcher. Yes. There are other people who think you should just focus on just being a hitter. Well, that you're immediately sacrificing what he demonstrated to be last year, about 40% of his value. <laughs> you know, you're saying, okay, you know what, we're just going to have you be a pitcher. Well, look how good he was as a hitter last year. Why would you give that up? Or if you decide that uh, you just wanted to be a hitter, really, he's probably one of the top 15, 20 pitchers in baseball. So if you can find a way to make it work, absolutely. And it wasn't only Joe Madden. Uh, Perry Manassi and the general manager who fired uh, Madden last year was absolutely in concert with Joe in uh, you know, taking some of the guardrails off Otani and giving, the op- giving him the opportunity to have – uh, maybe the best season we've ever seen a player have. Hey, don't look now, but uh, Red Sox Mariners coming up this weekend. The Red Sox have won seven straight, maybe eight straight tonight, or at least at the very least seven of eight. The Mariners quietly have won four consecutive series. They've taken two series from the Astros in that time, so they're certainly better than the team we saw at Fenway a couple of weeks ago that the Red Sox swept. This is shaping up to be an interesting weekend at T-Mobile Park in Seattle. Yeah, and, you know, let's face it, uh, there's a chance that the Red Sox and Mariners will be vying for one of those last playoff spots in the American League. Uh, you know, if you think that the, you know, the lead for the Astros is so big that nobody could catch them, and I think that, if you think the Yankees are so far ahead that the Red Sox probably aren't going to catch them, then you're going for a wild card spot. And you know this, you know, with the, with the American League West weekends, with Oakland basically tanking this year, uh, with the Angels struggling, with the Rangers still, you know, trying to, to find some traction, 
there's opportunity among those American League West teams in a way that there probably isn't in the American League East. Yeah. Because in the American League East, you're competing against the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Rays uh, if you're Boston. So it's an important series, let's face it, given the fact that uh, they both are going for one of those wild card spots. You know, right now, Michael Waka is a borderline all star. He's four and two, I think, for the Red Sox, or four and one, maybe, with a 199 ERA. You know, so between him and now Franchi Cordero was swinging the bat well, and Christian Arroyo, and Kevin Ploiecki, and some of these bullpen arms, Shriver, who's been pitching well, Matt Strom. Haim Bloom has found a lot of guys now that are contributing. And everybody wanted to bag on Haim Bloom early in the season. And you were one of those guys, Buster, who said you weren't quite a believer. I think he's doing a pretty good job overall at uncovering talent here. Are you switching your opinion on Bloom at all? Uh, not in the way that you are, because I would say this. I think one of the turning points for the Red Sox recently has been the fact that Alex Cor recognized the strengths and weaknesses of his pitching staff and he's adapting, hmm. uh, which means relying more on the starting pitchers. Look, Michael Waka, early in his career, he was considered to be one of the best pitching prospects. He had some injury issues with St. Louis. But, you know, Tampa Bay, Heim's former team, they identified him last year as a potential bounce-back candidate. That didn't necessarily happen in a way that Tampa Bay envisioned. But Heim, you know, rolled the dice on him this year. He's been terrific. The rest of that rotation has been terrific. They're taking on a greater load, uh, and because they're throwing more innings than a lot of uh, rotations are right now, that takes the stress off the bullpen, which isn't very deep. I I personally think that Alex has done a great job managing that staff. You know, it was interesting, uh, comments yesterday to Rob Bradford of WEI from Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts basically said that, he didn't really. He didn't necessarily want to leave Boston, but they didn't give him a fair offer. That that's fine. I think it's been spun that Mookie wanted out. Do you think Xander Bogarts recognizes what happened to Mookie Betts, and that's why he's out in front of this thing saying, "I want to stay," and he's putting the onus on them. So if it doesn't work out, it looks like it's the Red Sox fault as opposed to his fault, which is kind of how it was portrayed for Mookie. I don't think it's been from Xander. I think he's demonstrated he wants to stay. (laughs) You know, he signed that uh, that team-friendly six-year extension for $120 million, uh, made that very clear, I think was very open in the offseason to talking about another extension. Every conversation I've ever had with him, he loves Boston. He loves playing in Boston. He's a guy who, and I think Mike Trout is this way, uh, he really values what he has. He signaled that he wants to stay. But you know what? The offer to him in the spring was a joke compared yes. to where the market was. Uh, you know, given that, and, and, and maybe, you know, the, the Boston's perspective is that, you know, Xander's future is not necessarily as a shortstop. Maybe they don't want to, uh, you, you know, invest some money in a player who's not going to be a long-term shortstop. But one way or the other, I, I think that what we're seeing is the Red Sox are not as invested in the future of that relationship. Xander is. Buster, I'll get you out of here on this. I think we all acknowledge still, even with the hot streak, that the Red Sox bullpen is a weakness in their team, and I think they're going to make improvements to that bullpen. The question is, do you think they get out in front of the trade market and call a team like Pittsburgh or Kansas City to make a move, or do they just try to tread water until Chris Sale comes back, he enters the rotation, and they can bump Whitlock back to the pen? So knowing how Bloom does business, where he's not going to go out and pay retail for anything, whether it's Xander Bogarts or in another you know, deal, 
uh, a trade. I don't see him being a guy who's going to jump the trade market and say, yeah, I'm going to take on the extra 20% in cost to add earlier. Uh, and, you know, given where the Red Sox have played lately, given their performance, the rotation, I think they've got some time to work it out. Uh, I am going to be curious about what the solution is going to be after Chris comes back. Buster only, ESPN MLB insider. Buster, go get some sleep from the uh, McCartney concert and uh, stay up late night like we're going to be tonight watching Red Sox baseball. Sox and Angels tonight. Sox go for the four-game sweep and look to send the Angels to a 15th consecutive loss. Buster, what is the longest losing streak in MLB history? Do you know off the top of your head? No, I don't. Okay. Well, I'll have to do some research on that. But the Angels have got to be pushing it here. we got to be getting close. So, Buster, we'll talk next week. Okay, Brady. Thank you.